What is up guys, it is Quinn here, and in this video I'm gonna be going through some of the top waiver wire targets heading into week 14 of the NFL season. I'm guessing for most of you guys, this is going to be the uh, last week of the regular season, and then I'm guessing the uh, fantasy playoffs will be starting in week 15. So this is a good opportunity to look at your roster, potentially pick up a player that you can use as like a fringe start in week 14 or in the fantasy playoffs, or this is an opportunity to potentially, you know, take a high upside swing, pick up a handcuff where if an injury occurs, that's someone that could plug into your lineup as a strong option. So I think, you know, there are going to be some win now pieces, some guys who have some extra upside with injuries going through every position. These are going to be players who are available in 50% or more leagues using the ESPN fantasy football app. As always, if you enjoy the content, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. If you guys have any fantasy questions, waiver wire starts it trade advice. I'm guessing trades are done, but maybe not drop them down below, and I will be getting back to every single person. But let's jump into the running backs. And I feel like we have to start it off here with James Cook, who is only owned in 25.4% of leagues. So James Cook is someone who I thought, you know, would probably take over the backfield or at least have a larger role much earlier on in the season. Devin Singletary was always holding him off. You know, it seemed like when he would get decent opportunities, he wouldn't really make the most of it. He would fumble or he would have a drop here and there. And then we see the uh, Bills go out on Thursday night football and James Cook had a very prominent role in this offense. He was out there on 32 snaps, only one less than uh, Devin Singletary's 33. So they were basically splitting like the snaps 50-50 or not 50-50 because Naheem Hines was getting in there. But you know, for the RB1 snaps, they were neck and neck. We also saw James Cook have uh, one more carry compared to Singletary. Cook had 14. Um, Devin Singletary had 13. And this wasn't like a situation where it was garbage time. James Cook was just racking up a ton of carries. In the early portions of the game, you know, when the game was still on the line, James Cook was very involved in this offense. He also led the uh, running backs and targets with six to uh, Devin Singletary's two. And then Naheem Hines also had two. And then he also led the backfield and routes run over both uh, Devin Singletary and Naheem Hines. And he also made the most of these opportunities, 14 carries for 64 yards, six receptions for 41 yards. So he's kind of emerging as someone who potentially could be a fringe option right now with the opportunity to earn more and more work in this backfield. So he's no longer just some sort of random handcuff. He now may have weekly value. And, you know, maybe people have kind of forgotten about it. They saw the Sunday slate of games. He may not be on the, uh, you know, top of people's minds, but is definitely someone who I think should be, you know, one of, if not the priority pickup this week for fantasy. Now, the next running back here is going to be Zonovan Knight. His uh, ownership percentage jumped up from 0% all the way back up to, uh, or I guess just up to 37.9%. And in a game with Michael Carter out, we saw Zonovan Knight take 75% of the running back carries. He had the uh, clear cut early down roll. Honestly, I was a little low on Knight this week. I thought even with Carter out, I thought him and J-Rob would split the early downs, and it really didn't play out that way. Zonovan Knight had a really strong role. He also took all four of the goal line snaps, and then 40% of the two-minute drill work. So nothing crazy, but it's good to see that he's not you know totally one-dimensional as just like a guy on the ground. Also had a solid receiving usage. So I don't think it's necessarily guaranteed that when Michael Carter comes back, you know, Knight's just going to fall behind Carter. They clearly don't think Carter's like this elite talent. You know, they draft Brees Hall, then Brees Hall goes down. They feel the need to trade for James Robinson. 
Now, in the same way, you know, you can make the argument that they don't think Zonovan Knight is all that great either because they did still bring in James Robinson. But I think in general, this backfield is still very open. And if you can get someone who's going to lead the backfield, even if it's not a guarantee, that's definitely someone who should be picked up off of waivers. You know, we saw the solid workload without Carter. Maybe he can hold on to it. He looked effective. So definitely someone who should be picked up in over 50% of leagues. Now we're just going to be getting into the handcuffs. And we have to start it off here with Samaje Pirine, who somehow is still under uh, 50% owned at 45.7. I'm guessing people, you know, figured uh, Joe Mixon would be back. I definitely uh, assume that also. But Pirine is someone who needs to be on your team regardless of whether or not he's starting. In the three games that Mixon has been banged up, he has put up 302 19.3 and 21.5 PPR points. So he is one of, if not like the most valuable handcuff in fantasy football. And even though Mixon is likely going to be back this week, you know, uh, taking two or three games off from a concussion seems pretty unlikely, but he is still going to be a clear cut, like top handcuff here, where if Mixon goes down in week 14, week 15, you have a top 12 running back to plug and play in the fantasy playoffs. And it's also possible with how effective he's been that he could potentially cut into Mixon's workload. Now, I don't think he's going to overtake Mixon as the RB1, but maybe it turns into a 65-35, a 60-40 split. And then maybe he gives you, you know, flex value in decent matchups moving forward. So he definitely should be owned even if Mixon is coming back. Then we have uh, Alexander Madison, who is owned in 23% of leagues. You know, same story here. He's one of the best handcuffs. If Dalvin Cook goes down, Alexander Madison is a borderline top 12 running back. And then I felt like this last spot could have gone to a few different handcuffs. I just threw in uh, Jermichael Hasty here, 12.1% owned the Travis Etienne handcuff. We got to see his workload with uh, Etienne missing a large portion of the game in week 12. He basically got all the opportunities. So I think he is a very valuable handcuff moving forward, but you can make an argument for a few different handcuffs to throw in there. Now, moving over to the wide receiver position, we've got a lot of the same names on here, you know, the uh, repeat offenders. Starting it off here with Darius Slayton, owned in 33.8% of leagues. It's crazy to me that he is still, you know, sub 35% ownership. He has been a very solid high end wide receiver three in like the second half of games played this season. In his last six games, he's averaging 13.8 PPR points per game. And it's not like he's super touchdown dependent or he's being carried by like one huge game. It's been consistent. These are his yardage numbers over that stretch. 58, 66, 95, 86, 63, and 90. Those are impressive numbers there. So I definitely think he needs, you know, some more attention for fantasy. The next wide receiver is going to be Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is owned in 43.8% of leagues. If you guys have been watching my videos, you know I've been very high on DPJ and someone who I thought, you know, could be a potential top 24 wide receiver rest of season with Deshaun Watson back. So in the first game with Deshaun Watson, nothing crazy as a pass catcher, three targets, three receptions, 44 yards. I'd say in general, Deshaun Watson was pretty disappointing. I guess it could have been expected with how long of, you know, a hiatus he had from playing the game. Maybe he will continue to get better, work back into form. I do think he will be improving. We did see a DPJ kind of save his fantasy day with a punt return touchdown. So he still gave you decent production, but he's definitely going to need Deshaun Watson to pick it up and return to his, you know, form of like two years ago to be a strong fantasy option moving forward. We have my guy Traylon Burks up next 
who is, you know, just barely making the cut here, owned in 47.3% of leagues. And he was coming off of back-to-back strong games um, heading into week 13. He started off the game strong with a great touchdown catch. And then he goes down and he just like doesn't move. Like he made this crazy catch, took a huge hit. And then you realize like the dude is like unconscious on the ground. So a brutal, brutal hit. You obviously hate to see it. Hopefully we're going to be able to see him return soon here. I don't know if like maybe I'm, you know, forgetting previous years, but I feel like we've seen a large number of dudes just get like laid out pretty much unconscious to a Juju. I think there was another receiver, maybe Olave Burks now, you know, maybe it's just happening to more high profile players, but I feel like there's definitely been an uptick this year, which is, you know, horrible to see. We did see those guys return, you know, semi soon. So if Burks can be back within the next week or two, I do still think he can provide startable value for the fantasy playoffs. You know, he's been impressive. It sucks to see, you know, his breakout kind of stunted with an injury like that. Now, moving over to Michael Gallup, who is owned in 44.4% of leagues. He had his best uh, fantasy game of the season, caught four passes for 23 yards and two touchdowns. In general, for Gallup, the targets have actually been there. Like over the last five games, these are his numbers, six, seven, four, eight, seven. So nothing crazy, but on a top offense, like those targets as the wide receiver too can give you some decent production. He's just going to need to have an uptick in the yardage department. He hasn't been super steady there. Even this game, you know, four for 23. If you're not catching two touchdowns, that's just not going to be doing much for fantasy. So we'll see if he can improve. Obviously coming off the ACL, he's going to be a better option in the second half of the season. But we're kind of getting close to the playoffs here where it's like, if he is going to be startable, he's going to need to start showing it very, very soon. And not just by scoring two touchdowns. I'm going to need to see like a, five for 80, you know, a six for a hundred, a touchdown in there would be cool, but we need to get the yardage up to actually trust him moving forward. And then the uh, final wide receiver here is going to be OBJ owned in 33.7% of leagues. Looking like the Giants are the favorite to sign him could affect uh, Darius Slayton Cowboys potentially in the mix. Also, I think it's a question mark on whether or not, you know, he's even going to be someone you want to be playing in your fantasy lineups because heading into week 14, Maybe he signs before this game if he's going to be signing week 15. I mean, like then you're expecting him to come off his second ACL tear and just be an immediate contributor. So the farther and farther he waits until he signs, it seems like the less and less likely that he will be viable for fantasy. But, you know, someone who's worth a speculative ad when the uh, waiver wire is probably going to be pretty gross at the wide receiver position. And then just an honorable mention to Jamison Williams, who is owned in 28.8% of leagues. Honestly, his usage was very disappointing. I was very high on Jamison Williams, not necessarily for this game, but I did think he could be a solid guy, you know, potentially in a few weeks. He only played in eight snaps. He ran two routes. We saw DJ Chark, Reynolds, and Khalif Raymond all run more routes than him. It's a weird spot because it's like if he's healthy and active and ready to go, you would like to think that, you know, he'd be able to compete with those guys. Obviously, talent-wise, he's significantly better than everyone on that offense aside from Amon Ra. And I mean, like from a prospect perspective, he was significantly better than Amon Ra. So I would expect those numbers to improve. They're probably just easing him in. But starting off here at eight snaps, if he's going to need a few weeks to ease himself in, like he's just going to be done in terms of fantasy usage. So I still think he's someone who's rosterable, but I do think you have to feel pretty disappointed in uh, you know his dud usage this past week. Now moving into the quarterbacks, 
the uh, streaming position for the quarterbacks has really fallen off. You know, with Deshaun Watson coming back, and he's owned in over 50% of leagues, uh, the Jimmy G injury. I only have two players to talk about here. Jared Goff owned in 29.6% of leagues. I think one of the uh, last solid streaming options. He has a good week 14 matchup against the Vikings. Was, you know, kind of hyped for him with Jamison Williams coming back. We'll see if he does play a bigger role, like I just mentioned. And then also, I forgot to mention, like some of these other streaming quarterbacks, your Mariotas, your Heineke's, those guys are on bye. So it is really slim pickings here this week. The second and final quarterback is going to be Mike White, who is owned in only 13.4% of leagues. In his uh, two starts, he's had back-to-back strong fantasy performances, 24.8 and 17.5 PPR points. Now, he has a pretty tough matchup here in Week 14 against the Bills. I mean, very tough for uh, opposing quarterbacks. But then when you're looking at the uh, fantasy schedule, Lions, Jaguars, Seahawks, those are three very solid plus matchups for the quarterback position in fantasy. So maybe you're in a spot where you had a Trey Lance injury, then you're rolling with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now Jimmy Garoppolo's down. I think Mike White is someone you could try to pivot to. You know, I think he could be fringe top 12 guy for the fantasy playoffs if he keeps up his current performance. Obviously, you don't love it, but when you're dealing with injuries at the QB position, you know, sometimes you're just taking the best option available, and that could be Mike White rest of season. I think the tight end position is also uh, pretty slim pickings this week. I've got three options. Really would only feel decent about starting one, maybe two of these guys heading into week 14, but we're going to start it off here with my guy, Greg Dulcich, owned in 39.1% of leagues. This was a big bounce back game for him. I was very high on him after his first three games of the season. I love the usage. I love the production. Then he had back-to-back dud games, you know, was making me look not so great in that take. He had a strong bounce back here, eight targets, six receptions, 85 yards, a strong 81% route participation. Obviously, you know, this is more of a long-term take, but I think with what he's shown so far on an offense that is really bad, you know, limited touchdown opportunities, decently low passing volume, I think it's very impressive what Dulcich has done as a rookie, and I think he'll continue to be like a fringe start at the tight end position. Then we have Evan Ingram, who is owned in 34.9% of leagues, and it seemed like every week I was always talking about how Ingram has this great usage, the route participation is great, it had just been leading to you know no production on the football field. He has a decent game, another guy with a bounce back, seven targets, five receptions, 30 yards, and a touchdown. Obviously, getting into the end zone helps, 82% route participation. If you're picking up a tight end off waivers, you know, the options are not going to be great for you. And now moving on to the third tight end. I think I said I only had three. I actually have four for you guys. It is going to be Daniel Bellinger from the Giants. And I probably should have talked about him before Evan Ingram. I think him and Dulcich are in the same area in terms of, uh, you know, being decent pickups or streaming options at the tight end position. So he had missed a decent chunk of games with an eye injury. He came back this week. And before his injury, he is someone who was becoming very viable as a streaming tight end. He comes out, basically, you know, came back to the role that he left, had an 83% route participation, which is very solid, was targeted five times, only turned it into like 20-something yards, you know, five receptions, I think it was 24 yards. But I think he's someone who should be viable moving forward and is probably someone who is going to be on waivers right now. And then the fourth and final tight end, Foster Moreau owned in only 47.4% of leagues. I say only, you know, that's close to the uh, cutoff. I don't really love him as an option. The route participation was kind of a saving grace and it fell to 71%. Three targets, one reception, 32 yards. 
I think, you know, if he's out there and some of these other guys are picked up, he still has some touchdown upside. So if you are super desperate, I guess you could look towards Foster Moreau, you know, in the future. And then for the defenses, I wouldn't say it's a super strong week for streaming. I think there are a few decent ones in here. Starting it off with the Seahawks owned in 45.6% of leagues going up against the Panthers. Obviously, you want to be targeting that uh, Panthers offense. Chiefs owned in 44.6% of leagues. They go up against the Broncos. Broncos offense is historically bad. Raiders, 7.3% ownership going up against the Rams. Obviously, the Raiders defense hasn't been stellar. Weren't terrible against the uh, Chargers this past Sunday. And then the Rams offense is obviously a unit that's going to struggle. Titans owned in 28% of leagues going up against the Jaguars. I'd say in general, the Titans are probably the best defense on here. Jaguars can be a little hit or miss as an offense, but Trevor Lawrence has looked much improved this season. Steelers owned in 42.9% of leagues. Not exactly, you know, the most uh, star-studded, you know, high-performing unit this year, but going up against the Ravens, potentially without Lamar Jackson, this could be a good matchup here for the Steelers and TJ Watt. But that is going to wrap it up for every position, going through, you know, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and the defenses. As always, if you guys have any questions, drop them down below. Hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. I'll be going through my uh, start sits tomorrow. Thank you guys for stopping by and I'll see you in the next one.